When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Movie Mastery, the podcast where we watch the movies that you tell us to, and for some reason, you keep telling us to watch animated movies. <laughs> yeah, well, or we just keep rolling them. It is weird. I mean, if you don't know the rules of the show, I have a giant list of movies that have been suggested to us. I randomly use a number generator to determine what we watch, and... For the past several weeks, it keeps spitting out weird animated movies. Yeah, I feel like this might be... This feels final. Like, this? Because all the other ones have been either foreign and weird and bad or just weird and bad. Yeah. Where this one is true blue American and honestly pretty good. It is fine. It is a fine movie. Yeah. It is definitely not bad or weird in the way that we have been watching movies no no there's st there's plenty to talk about absolutely but but it is it, it's more an underrated movie than it is a terrible you have to watch this kind of thing yes this is definitely a rated movie isn't yeah it, <laughs> it's underrated it was rated lowercase pg for widow beauty violence but it was underrated. It should have been rated R for yes. that weird hardcore sex yeah, scene in the middle. There's full penetration in this. <laughs> unexpected. I mean, I didn't realize that they would later do this shot for shot in Nymphomaniac, but it's really incredible that they yeah. would lift from this. The movie's only an hour and 16 minutes long unless you count the scene where all the main characters sit down and watch Sallow 128 Days of Sodom <laughs> in its entirety. <laughs> Which is a weird choice. Odd choice. Occasionally cut out, but I think you do a disservice to the movie without it. Yeah, yeah. You really do need it in there. <laughs> it's anachronistic to the time period the movie set in. It's very unusual. But, you know, uh, the, the, it was the filmmaker's vision. Yeah. And if I said that wrong, it's because it's a cartoon version of Sallow, and I don't remember the actual name of it. If it's 120 <laughs> or 128. Who knows? It's some amount of Days of Sodom. <laughs> a few days of Sodom. Uh-huh. Couple days of Sodom here. <laughs> Under the Sodom sun. <laughs> oh, man. So it is a 1997 animated film uh, from Turner Entertainment. Yeah. You, uh, it's the last and very short-lived film from Turner Feature Animation. I was going to say, this is like some Captain Planet stuff. Yeah, this... This was the nail in the coffin of Turner Feature Animation now, Studio. Now I want to see what else they made. I'm going to look that up. But uh, all of that just sort of went over to Warner Brothers. And I got to say, this has the level of, you know, animation and polish you would generally associate with a major, like, motion picture theatrical release. Sure. Uh, there's, you know, some weird stuff to it. And I just got to say, uh, it feels like a Looney Tunes cartoon. It very much does. That got stretched out to about an hour because yeah. 
while technically the runtime is an hour and 15, the full movie is about an hour. <laughs> yes, it's it's pretty darn short. It's uh, it, it very much feels like it could have been a TV special or something. I looked up their feature films made by Turner Animation Unit, and unless one of them is not a cartoon, uh, I have never heard of any of the other movies. Great. Um, that would be Shelley from 1996. Awesome. Flash and Dash from 1995. Uh-huh. And The Page Master from 1994. Oh, Page Master. Fuck yeah. I was going to say, that's like a Macaulay Culkin live action thing, right? Oh, live action animation. Live action animation. Because he, okay. he does the whole, like, pulled into books and now everything's animated. Oh, I've never actually seen it, but I guess that was all. that was their first thing. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, that fucking ruled. <laughs> well, I like I, I like I was saying before, I don't think this movie's that bad. Like, this feels like it was just destroyed by whatever Disney had that came out in 1997 more than it failed on its own merit. This is this is fine. Oh. It's too short, and it, the songs don't reach out and grab you. But should we eventually say what it is? I mean, it's just a... Like, set in the golden age of cinema. That's right. It's The Rocketeer. <laughs> That's right. We watched The Rocketeer, also known as Cats Don't Dance. <laughs> uh, Cats Don't Dance, set in the golden age of cinema, which is part of that whole, it feels like a Looney Tunes thing, because you're like, ah, here's a bunch of 1940s celebrities. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it is 1997, my man. <laughs> No one knows who the fuck these people are anymore. It's a yeah, it's a weird mix where you've got the uh, you you, def- when you do like ah, here's a James Cagney impression. You're yeah. like stop that. Yeah, our our main character do- drops a couple of those early on, and then we obviously get one of those sequences where we're doing a red carpet walkout, and they're like, and here's Jimmy Durante, and up after him, W. C. Fields. You're like, yeah, these are Peter Laurie. Or you're like, yeah, these are people that Warner Brothers animators love to draw in the 40s and 50s. But at this point, you've kind of it's kind of moved on. Yeah, it. that's why it feels so Looney Tunes to me is because all of it was like, no, this is a Looney Tunes cartoon that got made in the 60s, but somehow is transported to 1997. Yeah, I mean, for for Pete's sake, the villain of this is Shirley Temple. Yeah. Like, just, just Shirley Temple. Like, she's called something else. She's called Darla Dimple, but it's very clearly Shirley Temple. Like, that's what they're doing with that. Yeah, it's wild to me. And it's not that the movie is bad and indeed most like reviews on things like you know any of the rotten tomatoes or aggregators now but like even at the time when people came out of the movie they were like yeah that was good that was fine yeah we liked that but it had no promotion and died with the premiere apparently had 15 people at it Ah. which is the saddest thing ever jesus uh (laughs) <laughs> it was 15 people including a family of five. Oh man <laughs> and then the rest of them were all just the various celebrities the stars went slightly dimmer in hollywood <laughs> for scott bakula and don knotts were out that night huh? at the grauman theater uh but yeah the fact that this is the setting for it being not one that you're going to have as much resonance with in 97 but then also the story is just like well a country guy comes to Hollywood to make good, and he has a setback, but realizes his dream. You're like, all right, that's the most 
standard ass boring story you could tell sure what happened here was that the oscars were not re- yet ready to reward animation for existing no um otherwise since this is a movie by hollywood about hollywood and how hollywood used to be great and still is and if you have a dream you can make it in hollywood uh-huh. they would have given it eleven thousand oscars and a blowjob <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, this is basically just early la la land yeah Hey, isn't Hollywood great? If you've got a dream in this town, why, bucko, you can make it. No, you can't. (laughs) Honestly, this should have ended when everyone lost their job and it sucked. Because I'm like, yep, that's it. That's Hollywood for you. Yeah, it should have ended when all of them were like, we'll make our own movie. And one of them was like, well, how are we going to join (laughs) SAG-AFTRA? We'll make our own movie. With what money? Huh. We can't join SAG-AFTRA until we've all been in a movie already. (laughs) Yeah. No, they've all been working. They're <laughs> already they in. They might also after. be. I think there's a, a special union for extras. Oh. I forget what it might just be. That that's what AFTRA stands for. I don't know. <laughs> what am I, a Hollywood insider? No. I only know what SAG AFTRA is because I'm 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 reading that they're canceling the Hall H appearances this year at Comic Con. Have you read that yet? No. Nope. That like Marvel's. Ah, not you, you hear this? You see about you this? See <laughs> Weird, wild stuff. <laughs> no, but. Uh, apparently Comic-Con is not going to have Marvel at Hall H this year. Yeah. And it's assumed that Paramount and HBO and a bunch of others are like also going to bow out. And, you know, it makes sense because the writer strike's already happening. So th- they can't be like, hey, uh, all the movies that we announced are still coming, but they're going to be real late because we won't pay writers what they're worth. Yeah. That's not going to make a very good presentation. But even then, they'd still try. They could. They could just haul some actors out on stage and be like, and behold, you're Loki you like so much. Yeah. And here's he come, a Thomas Hiddleston. He comes out. He's like, hi, a Hall H. How is the surfing here in California? <laughs> they could do that. But like two weeks before Comic-Con, the SAG-AFTRA will vote to see if they're going to go on strike. And if they do, you can guarantee Charlie Cox will not be on that stage being like, yes, he's a very different Daredevil than previous Daredevils. <laughs> He is much more extreme. He's and so much more face. Catholic now. <laughs> He's blinder than ever. Because <laughs> he won't cross that picket line. So they, they, they can't make permanent plans at the moment. Yeah. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Sorry, cats don't dance. They don't. They just pull up their pants. <laughs> do the, and rock do the rock away. away. <laughs> so lean back. Oh, <laughs> uh, all right. I mean, no spoiler review of this is that it is perfectly fine it's a okay it could have had way better music if someone put this on it's only gonna take an hour of your time and it won't be that painful and for the most part you're gonna laugh at the zany warner brothers golden age of animation style antics because there are several they do a lot of squash and stretch and and uh hilarious uh, cartoonifying treatment of the characters you don't usually get in in full-length movies that aren't who framed roger rabbit yeah if if you are the type of person that's like yeah i like watching looney tunes Sure, you'll like this. Yeah. It's just that again. Yeah. But it's rare to come across a movie that, you know, it's not Bluth, it's not Disney, and yet smooth as butter animation with lots of good squash and stretch, color work that's nice, all the stuff that you want. We've watched a lot of cartoon movies recently. Look, the thing is, I'm saying, I'm being very mild on this film. Yeah. But when it comes to the shit that we have watched recently, I'm like, Five out of five. This is amazing. It's a masterpiece. It's, it isn't Sir Billy. So there isn't a single frame of repeated animation. No character is mostly known for walking towards the screen. Ah, <laughs> oh, it isn't called Hot Dogs. Wow. <laughs> well, yeah, but the, its German title is Hot Cats. Wow. <laughs> Old Hollywood is so good. 
but there you go. It, the spoiler-free review is it's fine. It's definitely fine. <laughs> it's yeah. So we will play a little music. We're gonna come back with the full spoiler review for 1997's Cats Don't Dance. Gators getting close, hasn't got me yet. Back. It is time to talk about all those cats that don't dance. Breaking news alert. Hold on. I'm, I'm just getting I'm just getting this in right now. Hold. Yeah, this is me. I'm on the ground. I uh, just want you to know I'm not in the sky right now. Okay, back to you. <laughs> I'm on the ground and not the sky. Yeah. And it's it's bad down it's here. Bad. It's real bad. But uh, we're, we're getting reports that Shelly and Flash and Dash are not real movies. This is... I know that we should be talking about the movie Cats Don't Dance. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Both of us were completely taken in by a fan wiki page for various pictures from J Jeremy Angry Birds 3. Mm -hmm. And Shelly does not exist. This is not a thing. It has a full runtime from Turner Feature Animation. Yeah, director. From with the voice actors of Taya Leone and Mila Kunis and Alan Rickman. And you're just like, yeah, this all seems like some shit that would come out in 1996. Sure. Mm -hmm. Fine. And it is horseshit. It's made up, folks. We found someone's old April Fool's project and we tried to report it to you. Our writers made this one up. Some other writers made this one up. And I got to say, game recognized game. They did a fucking good job. It was fantastic. I think the, probably the biggest giveaway is that Dom DeLuise is in it as uncredited additional voices. Yeah. The fact that it was th it was originally scheduled to be released in June and pushed back to September because it didn't want to compete with uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I'm like, yeah, this all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Sure. When released in features, it was preceded by a Tom and Jerry short. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This all tracks. Yeah. I'm on board. Yeah. Yeah. It all makes sense to me. Everything here sounds right. It's all horse shit. Also, Flash and Dash isn't real, but I'm far more excited about Shelly because when you search Flash and Dash, you get like a Chinese kids TV show called Racing Tin Flash and Dash. Uh-huh. Uh, it's like an anime vibe, uh, Chinese anime, kids animation show about two kids who run a race car studio or something. They have a race car bed. They got a race car bed. Yeah. And then they have a friend that sleeps in a big bed with his wife uh -huh. and their wives. He has lots of wives in his bed. <laughs> so many wives. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, that's just, uh, we just got, we just got hoodwinked. Just wanted to let you know before you went out and tried to find your own copy of Shelly. Got, we got, got, <laughs> got, we were <laughs> now for cats. Don't dance. However, this film initially also fake. <laughs> was fake. It was initially fake, and then it was made. <laughs> yeah, it was made as a response to it. It was an April Fool's joke initially. <laughs> initially but they were in like, 1990, yeah. someone was like, haha, wouldn't it be funny if, and then they made it. <laughs> yeah, and then they were like, unless you all wanted to buy that. <laughs> Lol, JK, unless. <laughs> we're like, w whatever uh, geek st internet stores pretending to make a strong arm, uh, or uh, a dragon backpack, unless you'll really buy it. Yeah. Yeah, and then they made it, and no one bought it. It was, they got morbed. <laughs> No, we promise if you make it again, we'll buy it this time. Yeah, if you put Morbius back in theaters, we'll go watch it. <laughs> no, trust us. If you do it again, this time. This time for sure. We're definitely all going to go see Morbius in theaters. Isn't that right, Lucy? <laughs> Come on, Shelly, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
So this film was initially announced in 1993. Wow, that's a development time. And it was originally a production from Lost Boys Studios, owned by Michael Jackson. Oh. And it was going to be a combo live-action CG that would have starred and been choreographed by Jackson. Hmm, interesting. And so it would have been about an hour long, because that's about how long he likes to be in a thing. Yeah, and it was rumored that it was going to co-star the Looney Tunes as, like, the original Space Jam before Space Jam existed. Wow. was going to be this, and then that didn't happen, and I feel like that's why this has such a very Looney Tunes feel to it, is the original script, I have to imagine, was written with Looney Tunes in mind. That is wild. Right? Yeah. I love finding out weird shit about movies. <laughs> I guess he just had so much fun making Captain EO. He was like, I want to do another thing where I dance around with a bunch of not really people. Like, just like little, little <laughs> Like animals. Angelica Houston. Yeah, not really people. <laughs> well, she doesn't really do a whole lot of... I just There's a scene towards the end where she's doing some dancing, but mostly she just hangs from the ceiling in that. I was going to say, she doesn't really dance even at the end. Even at the end, she's just sort of walking near him. Yeah. Yeah, and other than that, she, he's dancing with, like, you know, Hooter and, and, and uh, the Blowfish. <laughs> Hooter and the Blowfish. <laughs> He's dancing with Hooters. Man, I wish those those uh, Twitter shirt bots worked to also create the shirt beyond <laughs> just stealing the shirt immediately. Because yeah. Hooter and the Blowfish is a thing I would love to see existing. If I wouldn't immediately get sued into oblivion by Disney, having a Hooter and the Blowfish t-shirt would rule. <laughs> There's no one stopping you from making your own. You just can't sell it. Yeah, that's true. I could if I had any way to do that that you would do. be decent. we know artists you just need to have a lot of money i have so much money so just contact an artist and tell him you want hooter and the blowfish <laughs> you just need to actualize your dreams it's true yeah sorry let's talk about cats don't dance for once cats don't dance except they are constantly and forever dancing especially the main cat who is always dancing at all times yes our our main cat Voiced by our good friend, Scott Bakula, yeah, great friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show, Scott <laughs> Bakula. He's often here. Yep. He plays Danny. Mm -hmm. Danny is a cat from out in the boonies who's got a big dream, and he's always been a song and dance cat. He's, he's, he's Kokomo, gonna, Indiana. Yeah, he's going to come to Hollywood and make it big. Yeah. And why he's going to do it in one week. Mm -hmm. He's got a little list of how he's going to do it. <laughs> uh, and. We start with one of my favorite things in this of the, you know, guy comes in from, you know, the country. From the sticks. A guy with then, a dream steps off a bus. Yeah. And then has the big, like, opening song and dance number about how I've got a dream and I'm going to make it in this town. Mm -hmm. But the other main character is also there. Sawyer, another cat mm -hmm. who also tried to make it in this town and has had her dreams absolutely squashed mm -hmm. by an industry that hates you. Yes. And they are wandering around while this is happening. And normally when you have that sort of like song and dance, the main character is like, I'm jumping from trolleys and I'm spinning around fountains and doing all this shit. You're like, oh, it's just the perspective of this person and what they're doing. It's and musical magical realism. Yeah. But... This has Sawyer being there, and every time he does some dumb horseshit around town, it fucks her day up. Mm -hmm. So he's, like, up on top of a fucking trolley, just messing with it, and creating all these sparks, because it's a good special effect for his dance number. Oh, yeah. But it just, like, sprinkles down and sets the feather in her hat on fire. 
Yeah, yeah. He just keeps doing things that whack into her or mess up her clothes or ruin her lunch or whatever. Yeah, doing the thing where it's like, oh, I'm going to dance around a fountain and then just knocks her into it. Hip checks her into the water. So basically, he just consistently is making her day worse by these little actions that would ordinarily just be dance sequence things where they have no bearing on the real world. And she is eternally irritated by this, where she's just like, oh my god, it's another fucking guy with a dream. Which I love that juxtaposition. There are some very good choices in how this was made. Oh yeah. To be like, oh, in order to show this dynamic of the fresh-faced still has their dreams and the already beaten down person just have that person who's already been beaten down continually be beaten down by the person who has a dream. Yeah. It's great. I enjoy that. It's great, especially because she never quite gets a hold of him. Um, she just she just has to deal with him prancing and dancing hither and yon, talking about befriending a little penguin who's who's moving some ice around and, and generally just sort of singing about how he just got off the bus from Kokomo, Indiana, where he's the best song and dance man in his hometown, and he can't wait to make it big here in Hollywood. And here's his list. And he goes right upstairs to the the the, the building or the the room below talent agent, the talent agent who works for animals. And he's like, "Do I have an act for you? We call it the Aristocrats." Wait, shit. Mm-hmm. What you doing, man? You all right? I'm fine. You good, buddy? I'm great. What's wrong? You seem a little distracted there. I- I'm looking up something for the show. Uh huh. I feel bad. I. I- I really am. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm not going to show you my phone. Good. So you know I'm not just playing video games on it or something. <laughs> it's good. Because I assume at all times that you were just playing video games. I, I'm really not. I, I was, assume you are one of those kids that just comes up and is like, you got any games on there? <laughs> I was trying to remember which Golden Age Hollywood actress I feel like the old fish lady in this movie is based on. Uh-huh. She's a little like a Pastor Prime Joan Crawford, maybe. I am not sure what it's supposed to be. That's one of the weird things about this is I don't feel like most of our main supporting cast, which we meet in the talent agent office. Yeah. We get a very friendly hippo lady. Yeah. We get a cranky goat and old fish. Yeah. And a uh, a, a very nervous, afraid of everything turtle who's obsessed with astrology. And, and is Don Knotts. And, and not Don even is obsessed with astrology, is obsessed with fortune cookie fortunes a lot of them are somebody like uh the the old goat is hal holbrick yeah he is sitting in the special machine box and pressing buttons that vaporize the bad guys from megaforce (laughs) but no because i felt like the old fish lady cranny or whatever her name is is uh a a, like a direct send-up of some hollywood actress and i can't put my finger on which one because she's got a lot of affectations that remind me of it she's got the the, a very carry or What's the word I'm looking for? Caricature face with... She always has a feather boa on, even though she's not doing anything right now. She's got, like, the, the gray gardens hat. Yeah, the she, cigarette and the long holder. Yeah, she feels like more like she's an old Looney Tunes caricature than the others do. The others feel like just new characters. Well, yeah. Well, all the other ones feel like very one-note ideas of, like, what is this? It is an old goat, and he is cranky. Do you get it? He's a goat. Yeah. There's, like, what is this? It's a nervous turtle. It's Don Knotts as a turtle. He's gonna hide Here in his shell a lot. Do you get that? The basic concept. Yeah, no. It's a, the hippo it is a is hippo very big. Who's, who's very friendly and nice, but doesn't realize she's as big as she is. Hey, great. Yeah, all I was trying to fig- figure out is which actress that fish is supposed to be representing, and I I, I didn't quite get there. It's somewhere no be- idea. I don't know, Catherine Hepburn, maybe one someone 
But yeah, anyway. Also, Kathy Najime is the hippo in this. Yeah, I was going to say. Amazing. The cast in this is really solid. Yeah. Uh, you got John Reese davies floating around in there. Yeah. A lot of very good people. Rene Abergenois is Flanagan. Yeah. Rene Abergenois is running away with animated movies in the 90s. You don't notice until you know. Yeah. Like he's he's uh, the, the, sing- the chef in Little Mermaid. Yeah. It's wild that yeah. he is in as much shit as he was. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, fucking Danny shows up and is just like, ah, I, I'm going to, all I need to do is just get a part. And then after I get a part, I'm going to go to a premiere and then I'm going to get a big part and I'll have my big break yep. after that. That's all I got to do. And luckily for him, they are currently needing animals for a Noah's, Noah's Ark, yeah. Ark based movie, which has an amazing title set given the setup, setup of the villain. I, I just... A lot of good shit in this. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he needs two cats. He's already got a bunch of other animals lined up, and every animal in that studio, you better believe they're all going to already be in this movie, because they need one of each gender of animal. Uh, 90s style. There aren't there aren't uh, an, an infinite array of genders as there are now. Um, <laughs> which I, 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 I think is wonderful. But I fully support I fully and support, love. love. Uh, this is not a judgment, I'm saying. I'm just saying that Noah's Ark today would need to have hundreds of every animal, and it'd be great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, everyone wants that non-binary duck. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta keep the species of non-binary ducks going. <laughs> you gotta collect them all. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, he's lucky in that he's going to get a part as the cat in Noah's Ark or a Noah's Ark themed movie that will instead be called Little Archangel. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, so he thinks that's his big break and he's going to get a bunch of big parts, but obviously, you know, no one knows everyone else in the studio knows. No, he won't. Yeah. And Sawyer the cat who he's been messing with the whole time, why she's this agent's assistant. She does all of his secretarial work. Yeah. And he is still short, a lady cat, and he ropes her into it by uh, basically negotiating pay with her because she's like, I am not an actor. I am a secretary. I do not want to be in a movie. Yeah. And so, you know, he's like, I'll give you Sundays off. She's like, I don't work Sundays. I'll give you double pay. No, triple pay. Oh. Mm -hmm. And so eventually... She finally acquiesces, mm-hmm. and they all go down to Mammoth Studios, our main big studio for this. Standing in for MGM, given the fact that they have an elephant sticking his head into that that sign thing and trumpeting. Yeah, instead of a lion roaring, it yeah. is a trumpeting elephant. Although it's interesting that the <laughs> the character that they have doing that is John Rice davies is Wooly Mammoth. I know, that's annoying, right? Which is the mammoth that they use, and they just put, like, big fake tusks and fur and whatnot on it and have Wooly Trumpet for the intro. But it's named after some little guy named LB Mammoth. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I'm like, that's weird. And, that's and a weird choice. And by George Kennedy. Right? Yeah, it's another, uh, he has, like, three lines. They still they just still found another celebrity to do that, too. It is great. Yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic. But I thought it hilarious that this guy is kept on set just to stick his head into this thing and do the trumpeting every time. And I'm like, guys, you could just use that film again. Here's the thing. Yeah, that's y- if he if he did it once, he's done. It's on film. You got it. <laughs> you you did it, man. <laughs> no one's expecting to come in and be like, wait a minute, I've seen that trumpet before. I want a, I want a new performance every time. Like, I know that there are multiple takes of the lion for the MGM studio roaring, and there's even, like, a, a, a theory that you can tell how good a movie's going to be by how many roars he has. <laughs> it's floating around out there that the best movies have four roars or whatever it is. 
Uh, but but anyway, yeah, it's just funny to me. But anyway, they all show up there at the studio, ready to work. They walk through a costume thing and come out in cute little sailor suits. And poor Danny, when he gets his script and it's just meow, he's like, oh, well, I get- I, I got to jazz this up a little. And they're like, no, don't, don't jazz it up. And he's like, no, they're not going to mind. In fact, they'll appreciate my enthusiasm. I'm going to add a little ababadaboo and a little adibadababoo. And they're like, whatever, you're going to get your own ass in trouble. Fine. This is mostly Sawyer because she has to stand next to him anyway, being the lady cat. But so, even like the goat and the fish and everything are like, your funeral. <laughs> All right, dumbass. <laughs> do what you want, but it's very stupid for you to do it. Yeah, it is. It's also one of the things going through this right now where Danny, normally in one of these stories where you're like, oh, it's some guy and he wants to make it in Hollywood, but the city keeps crushing him, but he won't let it stop him. You're like, oh, I feel for this person who's like, I'm trying to live my dream and everyone around me wants to crush that dream. But Danny's kind of a selfish asshole for most of this in this opening scene he absolutely is because there's no other way to really get across that he thinks he should have more material than for him to just try and give himself more material later he always wants to involve everyone else in everything he's doing but here he's he's doing that thing where you're supposed to find it endearing that he's like I'm going to say meow and then go, uh, meow, 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 or da, 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 ba, ba, do, and that little soft shoe. And I'm going to get, Mama, up, me, me, meow. Just get up in front of the star and be like, oh, meow. And you're like, no, because, you know, you have a job to do and yeah, you're not you doing your. hired to do a thing, yeah, my man. Yeah. I understand you have a dream, but there's like 600 people in the room. Do you think they should all be doing this? Yeah. It's, it is very fucked up for the initial thing to be like, ah, Danny thinks he is better than you. Yeah. And Danny will continue to think that he is better than most people. For the most part. Although, like I was saying before, after this initial teardown where he gets, you know, dressed down and yelled at and beaten up and everything over doing this bullshit, uh, he spends the rest of the movie like, it ain't fair, but also it ain't fair for any of you. So we should all put on a show together that I should star in, but we should all be in it. Yeah. I mean, it's really the opening scene where he is absolutely ruining everyone's day without realizing it. Yeah. And then being like, I should be the star of this movie that yeah. I have just been hired as an extra in where you do not get a very good initial impression of our main character. That's, that's fine. But yeah, he basically tries to to jazz it up a little. Uh, the character of Noah is not part of this movie. Instead, it's a bunch of animals on the ark. They were put there by a little angel played by our villain, Darla Dimple. Yep. Darla Dimple, friend to children and animals. Mm-hmm. And she is an archangel. And it, in this telling of Noah's Ark, instead of Noah, it's just an ark. And there's a bunch of animals that she put on it because it's not their fault. They're too dumb to know that, that they shouldn't be bad in the cities like all the humans were. Yeah, it's oh, a bunch of rains came and it washed away the cities. But these poor animals don't know better. So I'm going to save them because I'm an angel. Yes. Uh, and obviously because she's the villain of the picture, our deal with her is that she's a tiny child actor tyrant who actually hates animals. Yes. Uh, and wants her own way at all times. And everybody in Hollywood is deathly afraid of her. Yeah. And she has a giant Frankenstein monster of a butler. Best character in the movie by far. Yeah. Max is great. Yeah. The, the Max character is her, her enormous magical monstrous butler. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which again is very Looney Tunes, yes. is this character. They do amazing stuff with Max. I, yeah. He's one of my favorite, literally one of my favorite bits of animation in this movie is the stuff they do with Max. Because when she when, when he does his little song and dance number adding to her song, 
Uh, she gets infuriatingly angry and starts yelling at the director, played by Abra Junois. Um, and there's a point where Danny gets a little scared of her kind of stomping around and announcing shit and screaming at the top of her lungs and so on, and accidentally stumbles backwards into a, a, a bank of controls that send to her, because she's attached to a flight rig, being a little angel, rocketing around the room, and she's like screaming and yelling about it. At that point, she summons her butler, Max, who just stomps through a nearby wall and leaves a garage door-sized hole in it. Yeah, leaves a Max-sized hole, mm-hmm. because when he shows back up and just catches Darla in air because he is effectively, you know, 18 feet tall. Yes, he's this giant monster. And then picks up Danny and just, you know, very monster growls at him. What does the cat say? Meow. Very good. Yeah, just shoots him into the ground with his thumb. But my favorite part of all this is when he leaves. You see him stomping back towards the hole in the wall, and you think, oh, there's a number of comedic ways this can go. He can make an equivalent hole immediately adjacent to it. Yeah. He can fit perfectly through the hole he already made. And the one they go with is he walks into the hole he already makes. There's a flash of light, and then he's gone, and there's smoke trails around. Yeah. As if the moment he just teleports through a stargate in this wall. As soon as he gets to the wall, he just ceases to exist when he's not in the room where where uh, Darla is. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> uh now Mac or er, once Max leaves, they go back and they finish up shooting and everything. Yeah. Danny is sufficiently chagrined and everyone's like, "Well, that's what you get trying to put on a fucking show and going dibbity dap doop to do." I'm just impressed he wasn't fired. Like they just they, they're so desperate to keep a cat on the stage that they're like, "Whatever, just get up there and actually say meow." It's Interesting to me that they didn't go further with this being more of an analogy for like, you know, oh, this was like being black in film and you could only be like a very background side character. You didn't get stuff based on you. Well, because we haven't gotten to the premise of this yet. We've just established that Darla is a star. But the premise of this is that animals don't get to be the stars of movies. They just get to play animals in the movies and animals are never the main character. Yeah. In a world where it is established that animals can, you know, walk and talk and have to pay rent and are, you know, basically normal people in all ways, but you still get this. Yeah. But humans are the majority. And so animals are just, as a group, a wide stand-in for a minority that is not allowed to be stars. Yeah, and it's basically every minority. Like, for example, I mentioned a penguin earlier. That ends up being a character named Pudge, and he is a uh, a little penguin who seems to just have a million odd jobs. Yeah. Uh, some of them are pretending to have odd jobs so we can rob from people that have real jobs, but the, the, the establishment is that even this child, this penguin who's, like, supposed to be, he's coded as, like, eight, Yeah, has, he, he has to carry heavy ice blocks around town, and uh, beg for work at the stu- in the studio system all day long. Like, he's very put upon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. They just play downtrodden minorities are all animals. Yes. And it's it's one of the things where after the thing and he sees, like, the goat and the fish and the hippo and all just sort of making fun of him yeah. doing this nonsense in one of the shows, and he gets saddened by it but even then is like yeah but i don't care i'm still fine i still have my fucking dream just immediately is fine with it because he hears someone playing 
piano. Yeah, he's hanging out with that pudge penguin who's just like, I'm sorry, mister, I would have punched that Max guy for you, but I don't want to get arrested for hurting nobody. Yeah. But then the two of them are, he's like teaching Pudge to dance Yeah, when he hears piano, and then they go to investigate in this weird liminal backlot studio space that seems incredibly cavernous, has a bunch of studio parts in it, but also just an old trailer parked back there. Yeah, it's and it's not like a trailer like you normally think of as far as like a Hollywood trailer goes. It's like a hook it up to a horse like caravan trailer yeah, it's weird like i don't understand how this elephant that lives in there managed to finagle sleeping on the property in his in his rv yeah but he and it's not even i don't even think it's on the property it's like on the sound stage like a, it's, it's weird it's just a weird liminal space that just reads as i don't know studio stuff exists around here yeah we're in a back lot because you look and you're like oh if i look that way there's like a building, but if I look this way, it's definitely the soundstage we were just on. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here, but this trailer just sort of exists outside of space and time. Yeah. And they go up to it, and it turns out it's Wooly the Mammoth, who is playing like jazz piano, and Danny's like, damn, you're real good. You ever play in a movie or whatever? And he's like, no, animals don't get that shit. And then we see... He has a full set of pictures of all of these side characters when they first showed up to Hollywood and thought they would be stars. I keep wondering, like, because all the pictures are of them, like, already doing something, like the turtles all dressed as a pirate and standing on a pirate ship and everything. And I'm like, so is regional theater and film a scene here in this in this world? Like, did all these people also come from small town dreams where they were like, oh, I'm I'm kind of the biggest actor in my small town. I, I played I was the lead in Pirates of Penzance and you're like. So is the town all turtles, or is there just a very lively art scene for minorities in your small town, or how did how did well, that I mean, work? The town for you? that like Kokomo was all very different animals. Yeah, like his best friend there seemed to be an alligator. Yeah, so. yeah. I'm just it's confusing that, and also he only, he knows all of the characters that are also hanging around that animal uh, talent agency by first name only. Oh, yeah. It's He's just like, oh, you've met Sawyer. <laughs> ah, yes. Well, you know, uh, all of these people, Cranston, of course, used to have a dream of dancing. And, uh, he never got fat, of course, because <laughs> animals don't get anything. There's five animals in Hollywood that matter. Yeah. And I a know bunch we more just that don't. had an entire scene with, you know, a hundred different fucking animals that were all here for the Ark, but I don't know any of them because they weren't part of that talent agency. I just know the ones you know. <laughs> All I know are the important ones. And not this penguin, either. I know you know this penguin, but I don't. That's a recent one. I do know the alligator you're friends with in Kokomo. <laughs> I know quite a bit, you'll find. <laughs> uh, we're, in a, we're in a shared web ring on the internet. <laughs> I live in a trailer outside time and space. It affords me certain privileges. <laughs> yes, he's part of the same initial D fan ring as I am. <laughs> I, you won't get that because it is from the future. But I, of course, live outside of time no, and space. No, I had a friend in 1997 who was a huge fan of Initial D. No, I'm saying in the world of this, it's 1940s Hollywood. Oh, that's right. It's a mix of 1940s Hollywood and just the modern day. And, and don't worry about it. Like, I mean, towards the end, there's the share turn back time set makes an appearance. I mean, up until the very end of this movie, it's the 1940s. And then all of a sudden, it definitely isn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, um Wooly's just like he's the one who kind of gives him the, the the full breakdown of why his dream is stupid. Yeah, he's like, look, this town does not care about animals. Animals are just there to be in the background for things. Yeah. They don't get lead roles. Mm -hmm. 
And that's why all of these people that you have met who are fucking angry and were kind of assholes to you are because they have been shit on before by this town. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so he's like, well, that, that doesn't seem fair. And he's like, yes, well, you should just give up like the rest of us have. You can find work here and a life, but not your dreams. And Danny just goes, you're right. I guess you're unless. But what if I did a musical number? Yeah, exactly. And and at that point, the man was just like, oh, for, for fuck's sake. For, God damn it. Get out of my town. But instead, Danny's just like, great. Come with me. And goes out and sits in a in, in a the, the back alley as everyone is filtering out from their day of work at the yeah. studio. The next day, he's just like, oh, I know what I'll do. Yeah. I'm going to get uh, Wooly to play some jazz piano outside the window of this talent agency, which is apparently next door to the studio because it is all of the people getting out from the arc shooting. And then he's like, hey, everyone, let's song and dance and remember about dreams and have a very forgettable song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, uh, let's, let's go ahead and call that out now because we're now on song two of, I think five in this movie. Uh, all the songs in this movie were written by Randy Newman. Yeah. All uh, but like, I think the end credits one and which, one other. Yeah. Cause that's just like a soundtrack thing rather than an original song for the movie. Yes. But, uh, but all the, all the diegetic songs are Randy Newman penned. And sung by Scott Bakula and the Sawyer singing voice is Natalie Cole. Yep. Of Where Have All the Cowboys Gone fame. So that's kind of neat. Where have all the cowboys gone? <laughs> I think they're uh, just having a beer. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty sure they uh, they went into New Hershey's Cookies and Cream. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but well, so, so, uh, but the problem is the songs are forgettable. Yeah, like, all outside of them are the- just sort of like, hey, everyone. Have a dream and follow me. I think the problem is they all lack really strong hooks. Like they don't have big chorus line hooks. Like the only the last song does. And it's just the nothing is going to stop us now song. And, you know, they're they're stealing that straight from Starship. Yeah. Um, But no, it's it's not the Starship song. Yeah. Jefferson Starship. Yeah. yeah. Well, (laughs) nothing's going to stop us now. But no, I mean, all the rest of the songs feel like they're all bridge. Yes. Like in, in particular, the song sung by Sawyer, her like. I want song that she has in the middle when she's at her like most down heart. Yeah. Once, once everything gets to the low point, she gets her song. And I swear to God, it sounded like a mix between, uh, the little mermaids. Uh, I want to be up with, I want to be where the people are and, uh, have yourself a merry little Christmas. Yeah. Like at any point she could have ended whatever line she was singing and saying, may your Yuletide be bright. And it would have fit perfectly. It's, it's like if part of your world did not end up getting good. Yeah. If yeah. it was just that beginning part and that was it. Look at this stuff. Isn't it neat? I have lots of stuff that is neat. Look I at have regrets thing. and there are things that I am sad about. <laughs> yeah. Like, all right. Okay. <laughs> sure. Kind of want you to get to the cool part where you, you mentioned thingamabobs and how you have 20. Nope. But but yeah. So so that's the, most of the songs are just painfully unmemorable and I would like to think that that's why this movie died. And I'm going to go ahead and guess it's because they didn't bother to advertise it in the slightest. No. No one knew this movie existed yeah. when it came out. But because the the songs suck, uh, except for Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now, which rules and also has the best set piece work. Yes. Like, this song actually has some really good visual effects. This song, 
uh, opens on, on him kind of trying to entreat the audience of gathered around folks that he's assembled, all these animals. He's like, you there, listen to me. I want to talk to you about how we all used to have dreams. And they're all standing there. Monorail. <laughs> all looking broken down. And as he manages to get them to either start dancing or singing or contribute in any way, they switch from looking washed out and pale into a vibrant color scheme. Yeah, all the colors on them get turned up. Yes, and they'll they'll pop in and out of vibrancy. Like, sometimes they'll go back to being downtrodden and pop back into their washed out scheme. Yeah, it's great when he, like, jumps off the stage and goes up to, like, some alligator and he's like, don't you remember when you had a dream? And as he's talking to him and holding his hand, like, the color on this alligator gets bright and vibrant. But when he leaves and walks away to go talk to someone else, he kind of looks around at the other people who have not had that. And then it slowly fades again as he goes back and is like, nah, I'm just one of these dumps. Yeah, but I, I, for as much as I like that visual affect and all the side characters in this, because this is the one where they go the most cartoony. You've got all these like like random birds on wires and a very- gorilla playing like the front grill of a car yeah a, 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 a little koala playing a, a like paper a kleenex box guitar like there's a lot of cool visuals but i couldn't even hum a bar of the song no i don't remember a fucking thing about the actual song because it's just not randy newman's best work no it definitely is not the best yeah but this does get sawyer to come out and you know he manages to at least respark a little bit of that dream oh and yeah she's still like no, it won't ever happen. But he's like, what if? What if I were to get us a, a, a meeting with LB Mammoth and we could show him what we do? And she's like, that's not going to happen. Was his, Is Wooly just his nickname and his full name is LB Mammoth? No, there's two famous people named Mammoth in this movie. You're just going to have to get used to it. Wooly Mammoth just works for Mammoth Pictures, but is not the Mammoth of Mammoth Pictures, except he is in the way that the lion is the lion of MGM Studios. Yeah, but there's LB Mammoth. And he's, he's just, no relation, is also a guy with the name Mammoth, but he he owns it. He it's owns his the, studio. Yeah, so you got that? We probably okay. should have called him Wooly Elephant, because he is an elephant <laughs> and not a mammoth. Or just Wooly, and not Wooly Mammoth as the full name, which is fucking wild. Because <laughs> he is just an elephant, it's fake tusks and hair again, so yeah. it's not like he is an actual mammoth. But he manages to get everyone interested a little bit. But he, while doing so, attracts the attention because again, this town is either infinitely large or a, like, a single studio backlot of Darla Dimple because her house is right there. Yeah. So not only is the talent agency literally next door to wherever they are filming this ARC movie, but also Darla Dimple's house is right next to it as well. Yeah. Very weird. And she is annoyed by the ruckus that these animals are creating, but she overhears this idea that Danny has of performing for LB and she's like, Oh, I know. And invites him over and has a nice villain song. Oh, she's, she has, yeah, she has this song called you've got to be loud. That's big and loud, big and loud, which is one of the better as, as they are songs in this. But the thing I meant, I wanted to mention is that this is our first chance to really see her beyond just being her, her little tantrum at the start of the movie. And her barely contained veneer of being completely insane is really good. They do a great job with, her uh, and her line readings phenomenal uh-huh. like the one where she's like max invite that cat to tea <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah she invites danny over and is like hey i want to apologize for being so rude yesterday i i need to uh 
do something, anything that would help you. And he's like, well, I can't really think of anything, uh, but thank you for the apology. He's like, no, isn't there someone you'd like to meet? <laughs> nope. Thank you very much. I think I should probably be going. Isn't there the head of a studio that I know that you would like to see? And he's like, and oh. I'm going to step on your foot three times. <laughs> I think he's talking to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, Danny is like, oh, yeah, I guess if you could set up a meeting with LB, that would be great. She's like, oh, that would be fabulous. And just All while biting the heads off, uh, off animal, uh, crackers. animal crackers and throwing the bodies of them at him. So very good little villain moment there. Uh, and so he gathers up all of his friends and then some random other people that were also in the little song and dance number. Just a bunch of animals. Just just some animals. But including Pudge, who's now just an actor, even though he can't sing or dance. Yeah, who is up until this point had just been like, oh, I'm a guy who delivers ice. And then also I have some odd jobs around town. But now he's like, no, dude, you're an actor. He's like, I have never expressed interest in that. No non-Disney animations to, or, or, uh, from the 90s are allowed to exist without having one character who's a tough but young New Yorker. <laughs> Ah, gee, mister. mister. I'm a penguin from New York, I am. What are you doing in Hollywood? Yeah, don't ask no questions. You want my papes or not? <laughs> I got papes. <laughs> the best papes north of 151st Street. <laughs> yeah, we don't we do not do street numbers like that. Shut up, yous. <laughs> or I'm going to bury you under one of our mini charming bridges. No, I don't think you, I don't think you get what's going on here, my man. <laughs> oh, but Darla sabotages it by essentially flooding the studio that they are in. Oh, it's great. Because she also schedules it for like, oh, uh, LB is going to have a big press conference where he's doing a press thing for Lil Archangel. Yes. And he, uh, we get very little of this character. He's just a, a, a short man with cool silver glasses who comes out very Howard Hughesy, And he's just like, uh, he's like, yes, the secret to my success, Darla Dimples. This is a recipe for a Darla Dimples movie. And then he just starts saying stuff and it's interspersed with her making unreasonably torturous demands of what Max needs to do to these animals. So he's like a pinch of lightning, that kind of thing going back and forth. It's this movie rips outside of the not especially good songs. <laughs> I think we may have a very different rating at the end of it. <laughs> so, you know, they end up just absolutely flooding this entire studio and as soon as lb goes to open up the studio doors to be like and let me show you the set for little archangel because he's just doing this little like press junket tour thing for that mm -hmm. and out comes a giant flood of water and the arc that all of these animals were hiding in this sequence goes on for so long it's, it's like a third of the movie it's a lot it's so much like it's a cartoon sequence so in the beginning, you've got the animals all tortured or like trapped on this on this ark as it's being lifted up by the room being flooded by the rain system. The there's a part where Max tears the cover off one of the wind generating fans that's on the ceiling and just uses his elephant hand strength it. to just push it so to start a gale in there. He takes two lights and cracks them together to create lightning everywhere, and the animals are all freaking out and screaming. Then the door opens and a giant. 300 foot high wall of water washes all the studio people out over into the, into the streets. And then LB mammoth and, and Flanagan, the director of the movie are like accidentally water skiing on an anchor behind the, the arc. Yeah, Cause as they're going out, uh, 
you know, they call out like, throw the anchor out. And all it does is manage to catch LB and the director. So they're just being dragged behind this boat. It's a prop anchor. It wasn't going to help. And then like, uh, you know, Tilly and Cranston, the goat end up on top of them. And it's just this, they go through like an entire wardrobe thing. So of course they come out and they're all in different clothes. Yeah. They fly through the studio actual like the, his offices. offices they fly through every, lb's offices all the secretaries are just like good morning lb as he flies by in yeah. this boat we get sawyer and jack or sawyer and jack as if this is lost <laughs> we get sawyer and jack and they need to go back they just kate. keep yelling kate they won't stop fucking saying kate <laughs> kate we have to go back <laughs> so but no sawyer and danny are up at the the wheel of the ship arguing over who should or should not have the wheel well, Reese Davies keeps trying, Wooly keeps trying to be like, oh, sorry, we're heading for a building. And they're like, shut up, we're arguing. Okay, I didn't mean to intrude. And it's just, it's so long. And yet it's very good because it's all very squash and stretch cartoon. It's fine. It's like just watching a good cartoon sequence. And eventually when it ends, of course, LB just fires all of the animals that were on this boat. Yeah, you all so, never work in this town again. So Danny is now like, oh, I have caused everyone i know to be unemployed as well as myself and then right as everyone's like looking at him for help and answers and they're like how did why did that happen what the fuck just happened darla rolls up in her car and leans out the window and is like hey danny i'm glad we were able to work together ha 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 and then she drives away yeah it how could you ever possibly think that an animal would work in this town like that? Yeah. And they're, all, they're all like, you fucking idiot. You didn't realize it's an open secret in Hollywood that Darla does not like animals, actually. Yeah. And he's like, but but she said she'd help us. So everyone's like, oh, you are awful and an idiot and we hate you. Yeah. Have you met her for even a second? She's basically the Joker. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, or she, at least she's going to become the Joker. <laughs> I'm going to become the Joker. <laughs> I swear to God, if one more animal shows up, I will become the Joker. <laughs> I mean, they already had this character in Batman. Yeah, it's she's Baby, Baby Doll. Doll. <laughs> like, she has the exact same look as Baby Doll and more or less the exact same story. Although, uh, Baby Doll's whole deal is that she's stuck looking like that. Yes. She's, like, in her 30s or 40s or something, and she still looks exactly like a childhood. So she's basically Shirley Temple with you'll never grow up disease, yes. and it makes her crazy. Where this one, we don't know if this character is just nine and psychotic, or if she's a full-grown adult who just looks like that. <laughs> uh, so we get our low point now. We have the... Uh, you know, the song from Sawyer uh, that's, you know, have yourself a merry little Christmas yeah. and I'm very sad. She's basically singing about how the town has beaten her down, but now she's starting to realize she's actually in love with Danny because he's the only other cat in the movie and she ain't getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny, meanwhile, gets on the bus back to Kokomo and is like, well, I've given up on all my dreams, but gets talked back into them by the bus driver who's like, hey, you hear about that debacle over at Mammoth Studios? Wow, what a bunch of dumbass animals thinking they could act. Yeah. Not you, though. You're going to Kokomo, where animals should be, on a farm and not in front of the screen. Anyone who thinks they could act and is an animal is a fool and should leave town. Never have dreams. Yeah. And he's like, Fuck you, man. He I will have all the dreams. Instead, it's exactly the same as it is with the story with Wooly. He doesn't get indignant. And Danny never gets mad in this movie. Not even once. He gets sad at one point, but he is never angry. He is never trying to get back at anybody. No. Instead, this 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 ranting and raving bus driver who's waving a, a messy sandwich around uh, says something that makes him go, oh, you're, wait a minute. 
you just said a, a set of phrases I needed to hear to give me inspiration. I don't even remember what it was because it didn't matter. No, I mean, it's it. It's not that he gets angry. It really is just the driver keeps going, oh, he gives you can't him a have bulb. a movie. Uh, no one will ever put you in front of the screen. And he's like, oh, getting in front of the screen. That's what we need to do. Yeah, that's all it is. He just goes like, you just said you just said words of bus driver. Bulb. Stop. Yeah. Stop the car. You're de- you're absolutely right. And, you know, stops the car and uh, Danny jumps out. And sure enough, he's got a dream and all. But first he needs to, like, trick all the animals. This well, is- what he does is he goes to the LB offices, sneaks in, goes to the list that they have for who is invited to the premiere of Lil Archangel and puts all of his friends on the on the guest list mm-hmm. so that they get mailed invitations to the premiere. Yeah. Because... He's like, ooh, I know, I'll have us do a whole fucking song and dance number at the premiere of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's gonna, he, he uh, manages to get all the other animals invited, um, and... You know, by all the other animals, we mean the ones the he's five. friends with, the five and not the other ones with. he got fired. Yes, yeah, the other ones that are all fired, they're, they're, screw them. When they don't he's have names. on the bus and driving back to Kokomo, we see a giant soup line that all the people he got fired are in, yeah. but don't worry, he'll take care of five of them. Yeah, <laughs> the ones that were also in that talent agency are going to be taken care of. Everyone else can go fuck themselves. Yeah. So he arranges for all of them to get invitations to this event, uh, and then... Basically, uh, he goes to the premiere where Darla is just stuffing her face with a million snacks to establish that she is both venal and and stupid. Uh, but right as the movie is over, she's standing up to receive her apologies or her, her applause. Yeah, her apologies. Her, her applause. I'm sorry I made this movie. <laughs> her applause. When Danny jumps up on the stage and is like, oh, give it up for that Darla, am I right? And she wanted you to get a special treat, a new musical number entirely comprised of animals. And she can't say Because she loves animals so much. Isn't that right, Darla? Yeah, she's like, uh. <laughs> So, you know, she basically cat- he basically catches her in a trap of public image. Yeah, we did, by the way, also skip over the entire before that scene of Max attempting to get rid of Danny. Oh, yes. The butler does hear them in the background, and so we have an entire chase scene where he eventually, you know, gets his revenge on Max and has the callback of what does the cat say thing to him. Unfortunately, that callback doesn't make any sense. No. It doesn't doesn't mean a thing. Um, If it ain't got that swing. Yeah, but the the way, basically, you get this cartoonish sequence of him being enormous and terrifying. I really like the physicality of Max. I think it's one of the better things in this movie to have this butler just be straight up a monster and unremarked upon. Yeah, every time like this punching movie through the ceiling goes full Looney Tunes, I like it much more. Yes. Watching him punch his way through the ceiling or get lo- caught on out of that giant Darla balloon and then just hand over hand pulling it back in like a giant scary machine. But then he, the, uh, or basically the Danny manages to trick him into popping the balloon he's standing on so he goes flying away. And so... Now, Darla doesn't have Max for backup, so she can't call Max in to get rid of them when yeah. Danny comes out and is like, ha-ha, we're going to perform, and she also can't say anything because she is known publicly as someone that loves children and animals. Yep. Can't do anything mean. So, basically, she's going to try and sabotage the show from behind the curtains 
while they do their song. Now, this song is the most memorable in the movie and definitely the best in the movie and also has the coolest animation stuff happening in it because you have all... Yes, because this is another full Looney Tunes yeah. situation as Darla does increasingly wild things to try and sabotage this. It just makes the show better. It keeps making the show better. She's basically acting as their their ersatz special effects person because she keeps trying to sabotage them and can't. Uh, and, and the song itself is pretty darn good. Now, I had... When we first rolled up Cats Don't Dance, uh, Jeff pulled up this song, yeah. and I was watching it, and I was like, it feels weird to me that Darla is just pulling switches and doing all this stuff at a theater and being surprised that it just makes lights happen and cool things, and I was like, that feels incongruous and stupid, no, but- Why would she know any of that? No, the thing is- she had just, in this scene where she did ruin everything, all of the switches and things that she pulled when they were doing the arc scene, and it was just making rain and lightning and yeah. horrible things happen. She was like, oh, I get it. It's a callback to that. Yeah. And every switch she pulled there made things worse, whereas now every switch she pulls make things better. Like, I mean, ultimately, though, it makes sense that she would just think that switches could do whatever and ruin the show because she doesn't know. She's an actor. She doesn't know the technical yes. side of all this. So she just keeps thinking one of these has to make the curtains fall or trap doors open up on the floor or something. And instead, everything just makes all this action on scene look cooler, which is good because otherwise it would have been real bad because the animal song is just like, hey, we're great and we're going to sing a, a song and dance. So you're like, wow, that is not how you went over a crowd in Hollywood by singing a song about how great you are and how you should sing and dance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where it's like, hey, we've got dreams and Hollywood keeps crushing them, but we're not going to stop and fuck you if you stand in our way. But if Darla hadn't been pulling all the switches that, like, cause a bunch of background things to show up, lights to go, big sound effects and explosions and whatnot, it would have just been two cats dancing in front of a blank curtain. Yeah. And it would have been terrible. Yeah. Especially because it would have just been, like, Sawyer's first line is, I've got a song to sing, and if you don't like it, I'm going to sing it anyhow. Yeah. You're like, oh, so it's one of those. It's like the I'm entitled to this song. <laughs> which is not what you want to do when you're trying to win the crowd over, but sure. But then it turns into this cool, elaborate number where explosions are going off and Darla's throwing lights from the ceiling at them and all she's doing is causing little pops as they hit the ground to little, make... Little, like, flashes of explosive that, light. ...that follow their dance steps. And at the end, she... My favorite part, she gets... she uh, After she gets flattened into a pancake and crawls off as, like, a little table, because they do a lot of great squash stuff in this, she spots the granddaddy of all switches. Yes. <laughs> it's labeled as such. And it's like, I have to pull that one. And when she does, like, a battleship descends on stage. A giant <laughs> model of the Statue of Liberty rises from the ground. There's smoke going off, fireworks everywhere. Fake jets fly by. The turtle gets attached to a flying hook where he sings a song about how he's actually quite brave. <laughs> Every one of the, the, uh, the side characters gets, like, a, a quick bit. Yeah, they in, get a, a quick little verse. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, we, we get the, uh, the grand finale. It's so impressive that it blows the roof off the, the Grauman theater and knocks the teeth out of one of the guys in the audience. And of course, huge applause. Yay. Everyone loves it. And Outruns LB Mammoth to be like, ah, sign these animals. They're the new stars. Now, Darla had been <laughs> absolutely wrecked and shot out of a cannon and absolutely fucked up by this and got so messed up falling from the granddaddy of all switches that she crawled from below the stage up covered in wires and a dangling microphone and she yells at them like oh i knew i should have just killed you instead of flooding that sound stage 
but the mic picks up that Flooding she confesses that yeah. she has flooded the sound, sound stage. Oh, no. And now LB realizes it was her. Now she'll never work in this town again. Oh, no. Except I feel like LB would have been like, yeah, I can fix this. I mean, she makes me a lot of money. Here's like, the a, thing. like a lot of money. People fucking love this. So, but if everyone, like the newspapers are, Dollar Temple, local terrorist, <laughs> then, you know, sure. Yeah, she's they fired. won't be. There's no way LB doesn't own half the newspapers. Oh, true. It's 1940s Hollywood, which means the <laughs> newspapers are all just like, great show at Grauman's. Uh, Errol Flynn definitely does not use string to, ski, uh, uh, to attach ducks to each other and mouth to butt. <laughs> Errol Flynn, not the maker of human centipede. <laughs> With ducks. Duck, duck Centipede. <laughs> Groucho Marx's great film Duck Centipede. Also, Cary Grant is totally normal. Raves the, the Los Angeles Times. <laughs> no weird sex stuff. <laughs> Clark Gable. Great guy. <laughs> Just don't go to his house. <laughs> Maybe don't be alone with him. <laughs> and... All of them get signed. It's all great. And we end the movie with a modern song. Some fucking Peebo Bryson-ass bullshit where you're like, what the fuck is this? This whole movie has been diegetically 40s. And then all of a sudden they, they, they drop in this like, you can make it if you believe in yourself song. You're like, what is this nonsense? Yeah. It's it, not Peebo Bryson. It just, it just reminded me of when, he, when every movie ended with a good Peebo Bryson song. Yeah. It's just a very like, oh, here we go. Here's the last song of it, and it's, what is it, like, I Believe or something like that? Yeah. And it's very, you know, mid-late 90s sort of pop song. Yeah. But then also, we get, as the end credits, a bunch of movie posters for the movies that these animals will now star in. Yeah, they now, go on to star in a bunch of movies. It starts fine, where it's like, oh, yeah, the cats are now the leads in Singing in the Rain. And you're like, okay, sure. Of course, because they make perfect sense for Astaire and Rogers or Gene Kelly or whoever. It's fine. That makes sense. Yeah, that's fine. But then it keeps going, and all of the posters end up becoming shit like... Modern posters. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Twister and Batman. Yeah, where you've got... And what's weird is, outside of Singing in the Rain... All the other movies star all the other animals. You'll still see occasionally the ca the two cat leads. Like the closest you get is Beetlejuice. Yeah, they're the the husband and wife from Beetlejuice. But everyone knows that Beetlejuice does not star the husband and wife. It stars Beetlejuice and Lydia. How dare you? Uh, how dare I? How dare you? How dare history? <laughs> I, I believe you mean. You are you trying to besmirch Gina Davis in this house, sir? <laughs> I would, sir. I would never wait. And it's uh, it's Gina Davis and and a Baldwin. That's right. It's a Baldwin. Thank you. <laughs> but no, of course I'm not. I'm just saying that history has determined that Beetlejuice was the star of Beetlejuice, <laughs> and that Lydia is Beetlejuice's backup dancer slash little red spider red, uh, spider poncho wearing friend. <laughs> Uh, I'm I, just saying. No, yeah, I would have. I mean, I wasn't going to be fine with it, but I would have been less angry at it if the last poster in the series wasn't a free Willy, but it was free Letty. I think Tilly, 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 Tilly free Tilly the hippo. Yeah, Tilly the hippo, and it was free Tilly with her jumping out of the water. And I was like, wait a minute, all this time you could have been making the posters 
different names to be like, yeah, it's because now there's animals in them. Yeah. You had Batman starring an elephant and you didn't call it the elephant man, but have it be a Batman suit and have it be a play on both of the movies. What bothered me about that one was that it was clearly the Tim Burton Batman. Yes. And yet they still put the turtle in as Robin. Even though, yeah, I know Batman Forever came out in 95 and this came out in 97. Sure, there's precedent. You already had the Chris O'Donnell doing karate laundry. We're all up to speed. But still, that was the Tim Burton Batman. Robin's not in it. Get that turtle off there. Yeah, because it was the the yellow symbol Batman Mm -hmm. suit. Yeah, obviously the Tim Burton Batman. But also, yeah. The fact that Free Willy becomes Free Tilly is like, wait, that means they just put some poor orca out of a job. Yeah, that, that was, was an already an animal. It was already an animal. You needed an animal. <laughs> you and, fucked and up. All you're doing is turning it into a fat joke for this poor hippo. She doesn't deserve this. And also, the roles that they give to them is wild, because you're like, oh, what's Wooly? He's a jazz pianist. Obviously, he'll be Batman. Yeah. All right. What about Cranston the Goat? Well, he's he's a dancer, and he's great at dancing. All right, he's Jim Carrey now in The Mask. Yeah, also he's in his, like, 70s. He's, like, a really old guy. He already failed a long time ago. They keep portraying the two. Him and the old lady is, like, the kind of Hollywood actors you'd find at a retirement home in Hollywood, where their star shined for a while and has faded. Yeah, the kind of people who are like, oh, I did vaudeville, but I wasn't able to transition to movies. Oh, yeah, I was. the talkies ruined me because no one liked goat voices, (laughs) that kind of thing. And yet they're like, yeah, he could be in The Mask. You're like, but he's, like, 75. Yeah, the one thing that was fine was their grumpy old men yeah and i was like sure yeah that's what you put the fucking goat in yeah you don't put him in the mask yeah it's just weird choices all around for these movies but the free tilly one was like don't do that i mean the reason is all of them were owned by warner brothers or turner entertainment which is why they were using those posters if you want to have all of them be a joke on their name and also they replace a real animal then obviously you should go with cranston checks in (laughs) but no they originally also wanted to do more they wanted to have like a Sound of Music, and a Star Wars, mm-hmm. a New Hope one. But then they went, oh, we'd have to pay, pay rights for yeah. that, and we're not going to. So we'll just use our movies. I mean, they wouldn't have to pay the rights if they just did more free Tilly-type jokes where they changed the name out. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, know, Star no. Wars, and they have a pig. Uh, you know, Luke's, Luke's boar, but the rest of them are also there. Yeah, but none of the main characters were pigs, so we so can't. Well, there was that pig that was in the movie. Remember, he even had a name. He keeps getting floated by in the background whenever uh, Sawyer has a habit in the movie of, of being like, everyone's like this animal metaphor or like this other animal metaphor. And then she'll say like, you're you're as stubborn as a pig. And then there'll be this pig in the background. She'll go, sorry, Lenny. And he goes, no offense taken. Yeah. It happens at least twice. Yeah. And we also get like, ah, something's fishy. And the fish woman is like, what? Yeah, that was that was, and it was like, no, I smell a rat. And then a rat comes down. It's like, what are you talking about, lady? Yeah. Yeah. So we got a, we got a couple of. uh. Those, there's a pig in this. You could have done that. You could have done Star Wars. Yeah, but he's not one of the main characters. And as we've established, we don't give a fuck about any of the other people that were fired. Fine. His 19-year-old young cousin is discovered and goes on to be a cool voice actor. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Anyway, there you go. That was Cats Don't Dance, and it's very weird choice of an end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and it also ends showing that Darla's now a janitor because nothing could be worse than that. Yeah, and in a, a, a true Looney Tunes 40s thing, she's doing that thing where she's wet washing up a poster to the wall. Yeah. Where you, like, that, you never see anyone actually do that anymore. Get that, like, that blue juice and use it to slap something onto a wall you get and, that, and like, lop it full, on there. Full brush mop thing yeah, on there. Get, like, paper mache stuff straight to the walls of buildings. That's That's something that only cartoons are aware of anymore. Yes. 
I want to go out there with a bucket and a mop and do that. Just start attaching posters to walls. I, with- I want to start putting things up where they don't belong. You know, people love making hobbies out of shit that was recreationally like a job or not rec- but like a job a long time ago. Why not that one? Why not go around and white white slap posters on walls and then apply like a big bucket of liquid glue to them so they're stuck there? Yeah. Why not? Outside yeah. of probably having to pay a large fine. Banksy never gets in trouble. <laughs> Sir, you are not Banksy. You don't know that. <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> Medium sure. <laughs> More sure about that than most other people. <laughs> Are you more sure I'm not Banksy than you're not Banksy? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what I do with my free time. <laughs> Mostly I just zone out and let my body do its thing. Yeah, I'll just wake up several hours later and be like, ah, I feel refreshed. <laughs> like Banksy, I like to lie in my back and hope England doesn't think of me. <laughs> I'm My life is basically like that show Severance. <laughs> Where part of me is awake for doing the podcast, mm-hmm. but that's the only part that's ever awake. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Yeah. Let's get into our bests and worsts. What was the best part of Cats Don't Dance for um, you? Th- there are two parts I really enjoy, and I am yeah, going- but one of them. I know. I was about to get around to it. I was, I'm going to pick the, uh, the physicality and cartoonish nature of the Max uh, Butler character. Mm-hmm. Like, they needed the movie to have a heavy, scary villain. Mm-hmm. And they just were like, I don't know, I guess she has a butler. Like, it, it makes no sense that that the, the biggest villain in this movie is just this lady's butler. But he is so well realized, <laughs> right? From, from, from the opening scene where he just appears through a wall and stomps in and, like, the whole room goes dead silent and terrified. And then he vanishes in a flash of light to the part where he gets briefly distracted by the animal music and starts doing a horrifying dance to it. <laughs> um, like, I just liked everything about him. Mm-hmm. I think my favorite part is when he's just punching through the ceiling to try and catch the animals on it over and over again. You're like, God, is this guy like 45 feet tall? He is as tall as the situation requires. Yes. He he, he just changes size in every frame and it's fine. Yeah. I, so I like that a lot. What was your favorite thing? I mean, that basically is the, the thing that I do like about that, like I was saying, is when they do go full Looney Tunes. It's why I like that final musical number. My other favorite thing. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean... Even distilling down to one thing, the point where Darla pulls out the plug of a cannon and goes flying, smashes into a wall, and does that full, like, slammed into a manhole cover and, like, kind of spins on the ground before poking a couple fingers up and waddling off. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of shit I want because, and this is what I didn't get out of things like, say, Hot Dogs Wow or Sir Billy, where I'm like, have a consistent idea of what your universe is like. Yes. What is going on and how do people interact with it? Yeah. In this movie, we establish the way that the world works. It is Looney Tunes rules and it stays that way consistently. Yes. It's great for that. That is all I need. I just need you to pick one way your world works and stick with it. And that's fine. Yeah. Don't so be, thank you, movie. Yeah. Don't be pulling that situation where you're like, I don't know, uh, beavers are illegal in Scotland, but they can like talk and and have jobs and people in town know who they are. <laughs> like, don't. And, yeah. Oh, animals uh, live out and they're just animals and we can deport them and use them for whatever. But also they fly planes. <laughs> uh-huh. Sure. That's fine. They can do that. Also, uh, you can evict dogs if they aren't in their own house for 48 hours. That's just a thing. But. <laughs> What about parrots? I don't know. Probably works like dogs. Let's not ask. Yeah. 
So, so yeah, it's good uh, job. Cats don't dance for at least having an idea of what the fuck you are. Congratulations to not being. <laughs> congratulations <laughs> to cats don't dance <laughs> on not being the worst animated film I've ever seen. Yes. What was speaking of that? The worst thing about cats don't dance. It's the uh, it's the forgettable music. Yeah. The the, uh, the the couple of Randy Newman songs here and there that don't hit, don't stick in your memory even slightly. Just they give you nothing. Mm-hmm. You're just like, but when they're over, you're just like, well, that sure was three minutes. I don't know what happened during them. I think a cat was sad. Whatever. Yeah. Like he definitely figured that shit out right quick because we aren't that far away from Toy Story here. Nope. And Friend and Me is you know the, an unforgettable classic. So and, and plus, I think didn't he also write the one from Toy Story two? The the uh, when she loved me. I don't remember if he wrote if he wrote it or not. I, I I do not know. I mean, that is the only real redeeming factor. Oh well, no. I mean, Toy Story two isn't awful, but it is the best thing about it. So, uh, yeah, it's fine. Sarah McLaughlin did it. I know she sung it. I don't remember if she uh, he wrote it. She sung it. There you go. Yeah. So so I mean it, again, just an absolute tearjerker. Randy Newman, when he is interested and properly motivated, can, can <laughs> when he has Disney money, yeah, can knock these things out of the fucking ballpark. And you're right, like I barely remember anything about Toy Story two beyond that sequence. Yeah, uh, it, it's not the best. Toy Story three is a vastly better movie, indeed. Uh, but but uh, but yeah, just just uh, this, the songs are forgettable and plain, and they do nothing for me. Uh, the best one rises to okay. Like, it'd be a mid-tier Disney song, not even a good one. Yeah. It would be like, oh, I wouldn't skip this when it came up on the soundtrack. Yes. So, uh, for me, my least favorite thing, the worst thing in this movie for me, I, if I'm boiling it down to one specific part, it is definitely Danny doing the, like, scatting bit at the movie, because it is fully establishing that he is a selfish piece of shit yeah well i mean i i guess maybe he's supposed to be just so super clueless that he doesn't understand how this process works but he's like oh they go the whole song is like oh i'm trying to save these animals and then interspersed with and the lion goes and the dog goes whatever yeah and after his little meow section where he still puts a little juice on it more than they want they move on, but when it comes to like, and the animal does that, he pushes that motherfucker out of the way to continue yeah. his bit. And I'm and like, he also stands in front of Darla to keep singing. Yeah, I'm like, you're a piece of shit. Yeah. That is fucked up. Like, I think the idea is supposed to be that he's getting lost in the music. Like, he's feeling it. Like, he's just a natural entertainer. And also, he it's his first day. He doesn't know that extras are supposed to stand around an extra. Like, I, I get the impression. But even he's supposed if he to be doesn't like know extras are supposed to stand around an extra, he knows all of these other people are actors, and he's like, yeah. "I'm better than you, and I should have the no, spotlight." You're, now. you're absolutely right. It's not a moment that endears you to him very much. At most, at best, at, chari- at, at a charitable giveaway, it makes him out to be an absolute dope. Yeah, and it's that coupled with the opening scene of him just fucking Sawyer's day up by being clueless that I'm like, man, it has been like. 15, 20 minutes in, and I do not like this main character. Yeah. He does get a little bit better as far as being like, oh, no, I want all animals to get a chance. But then that does eventually transition to, and by all animals, I mean the five I know. Yeah. (laughs) But there you go. That was my least favorite thing. Let's get into rating the movie. We are each going to give it a rating from zero to five, so it gets a total rating out of ten. Jeff. 
It's a non-Disney animated movie that I enjoy from the mid-90s. I have to give it a four. I would love to give it more than a four, but it's a musical, and the music doesn't it doesn't hit. Mm-hmm. The animation is so good, so, so Looney Tunesy, so willing to do squash and stretch, which I miss, because CGI movies don't do that very often. No. Uh, and, and so it's a thing that I miss seeing, and I was happy to see it here again. Uh, so I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a four, but I'm dropping that whole point for no good songs. Yeah. Well, there you so, go. There you go. What are you going to, what are you going to do? I'm going to give it a three. It is entirely fine. And I'm one of those people that I'm like, unless it is a Looney Tunes cartoon that is doing something very interesting or wild. Looney Tunes is very much a 2.5 to a three to me of like, yeah, that's fine. That. That's definitely a thing that could be on in the background, and I wouldn't complain. That, and that's for me. That's a solid three. That's fine. That's fair enough. Like I, I'm, I'm guessing there's probably a significant difference between you and me in like appreciating old animation. Yeah. Where I'm, I'm an old animation like nut, and I'll happily sit there and discuss like every episode of of Private Snafu with somebody if they want, uh, <laughs> or or the history of Disney. Uh, but you know, if if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. No, I'm like. No, the I appreciate that the animation doesn't suck. Yeah. That's nice. And I do like when they do some of the wire, wilder visual things. Yeah. But for the most part, I was just like, yeah, okay. It's forgettable music and a Looney Tunes level animation quality, which is always for me fine. Yeah. So while I do appreciate, there are things in here that I do like more, like the... Darla's whole deal as oh, yeah. a villain is good. Oh, she's fantastic. I like the way that, you know, when we were talking about that scene where they have the musical thing and they do the like color brightening on people. Yeah. I appreciate the touches they have. For me, it gets knocked down to a three, three because it is a musical that is very forgettable for music. Yeah. So there you go. A seven out of 10, which I got to say is generally about what this movie seems to get as far as ratings. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sure for pretty much the same reasons. Yeah. It is generally considered to be a above average to mildly good movie. <laughs> so cats don't dance. I was just looking at the uh, Wikipedia article for the, uh, the Randy Newman's, the, the when she loved me song. And it says here that he didn't like the song and thought it wouldn't work and advised them not to put it in the movie. <laughs> Oh, so Randy. there's hits and misses with Randy Newman. Sometimes Randy knows what he's doing. Sometimes Randy don't. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and listening to the episode. We will, of course, be back in another couple weeks with another movie mastery. And if you want more, you can always head on over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash system mastery. Uh-huh. We have all of our bonus content over there. If you support at any level of the show, you unlock ad-free versions of all of our shows and you get bonus content depending on the tiers that you're at. You get bonus content where we make characters and RPGs, talk about weird stuff from Star Wars, mm -hmm. or at the $10 level, you get all of that plus our monthly afterthought, which is more a casual Q&A and talking yes, episode. Indeed. Just a discussion episode. Plus and, you get... And you get TV Mastery, where we are just now finishing up our very special episode. I'm excited to move on to something new, but I'm happy that we went through the very special episodes, because they've all been very special in very their own special. way. Yeah. And we will be ending on probably the show that had 
the most very specialness per capita from what I can remember, Clone High. <laughs> Blossom. Oh, I guess we're going to do the real one and not the, the one that made fun of Blossom. Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so join us for that over at patreon.com slash system mastery. It helps the show out. It helps support us, lets us keep doing what we're doing. But if you can't support financially, we understand you can always just tell a friend about the show, uh-huh. leave a rate or review, yell it in the streets, go out into the streets and tell everyone you've got a dream and then fuck their day up. Go tell it on the mountain. <laughs> Over the hills and everywhere. <laughs> Approach the churches and well, bl- well-trod places. Go break into a local church and ring their bell, which I assume they still have. Yell and sanctuary works. and they can't stop you. <laughs> They can't. That's what legally the they can't yeah, that's, stop. That's you. the rule of churches. Also, spiritually, they cannot stop you. <laughs> System mastery is pretty good. Sanctuary. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. We'll be back in two weeks. And until then, you all have a good one.